on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Louis Fertel. My name is Aida Osman. How y'all pilgrims doing? Oh, hell no. Not pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it puritanical. I'm the came over on the Mayflower, ready to go. <laughs> uh, what a weird Thanksgiving. Yeah, what a weird year to be asked and demanded to give thanks for anything. I'm very happy for any time secretly that we can't just resort to traditions in a way. I applaud having to think of new ways to do things. Mm -hmm. That said, not everyone is resourceful as me and is going to sit around this Thanksgiving watching Jane Wyman movies. So God bless if you can't figure (laughs) out this path like I have. (laughs) Try and find purpose Uh, through this nonsense. I love watching like the Gossip Girl Thanksgiving, like the Buffy Thanksgiving, you know, the Gossip Girl Blair Waldorf must pie. That it is after the John Tucker must die title. I Thought you were going to make it longer than 10 minutes before you mentioned the Buffy episode, uh, the Thanksgiving episode. Oh, Pangs? Like, please. Yeah, Pangs. Please. Girl, please. You waited three it seconds. Is it. It is it, mm-hmm. even though every time I watch it, I um, do question the fact that um, the Native Americans are the villains in it. <laughs> I don't know. That, that slightly crosses my mind. <laughs> Just slightly, slightly, but it's such a funny episode that I forget about it, which mm-hmm. is U.S. history. See? See? If it's, if it's funny, you forget about um, mass genocide. I feel like I can't think of all that many memorable Thanksgiving episodes other than, this is what immediately came to mind, the Boy Meets World episode where they have it in Sean's family's RV or trailer where they live mm. and then there's like yes. like Corey's family is like muttering under their breath about how the, like the plates don't match and stuff and I'm like are you really trying to explore poverty on this show? That's what we do here? <laughs> <laughs> they did often look at us talking about Boy Meets World again they, I know they, they I have talk. a problem <laughs> I mean it truly did try to tap into the fact that Sean was um poor right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why he was also adopted by mr turner not those trailer park bullies trying to beat sean down when he went home i those most uncomfortable (laughs) scenes of my life to protect my baby (laughs) were those were those bullies like were they very like here's a knife like those yeah 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 okay they're Mm. doing like sleight of hand but they reveal weapons (laughs) yeah yes yeah very riverdale very riverdale yes yes Um, (laughs) and they were like his brothers too and that would make it hurt even more Mm. jughead might be the sean of riverdale and archie might be Corey. Oh, I think it has to be that way. I mean, that just seems mm-hmm. intuitive to me. I'm figuring this out. I'm figuring this out. Okay. My other memorable Thanksgiving episode is Beverly Hills 90210, where Tiffany Thiessen, Valerie, was feuding with um, Kelly at the time, Jenny Garth. And I remember Kelly thought that Valerie had like lied about something, um, or she had done something awful to her, but then she found out some like dark secret about um, Valerie's past and tried to invite her to thanksgiving um after all 
and she brought like a turkey over and I remember Valerie picks up the turkey and throws it out the door. <laughs> that strikes me as a Thanksgiving episode you would enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> About the level of melodrama I expect from you and your interests. Thank you. Thank you. I think the problem with Thanksgiving, the lack of Thanksgiving episodes, is that what people want to see is gearing up for Christmas stuff. Exactly. So I, well, I associate Thanksgiving with watching Home Alone and stuff, which, yeah. I mean, I think that's on us. I think we should be breaking down the holiday more and discover, you know, there should be more like famous Thanksgiving family fight episodes and things. I, I think we're lacking in that area. I mean, well. basically every episode of Brothers and Sisters could be Thanksgiving mm-hmm. dinner. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also not, you know, a tradition of things to do for Thanksgiving, like you decorate exactly. for Halloween, mm-hmm. and then you get the costume together. Thanksgiving is really just starts the night before, where you're cooking the turkey, and then you prepare the other things. And maybe it's the ritual of family arriving in town. But like Christmas, we have music, and then you set up the tree, and you're wrapping presents, and it's all there. So Thanksgiving is really just like bow one day. And but I, by the way. Why is there no definitive Black Wednesday content where we're all out drinking like Ray Land and the Lost Weekend, except on a Wednesday? <laughs> Lewis, what is Black Wednesday? Black Wednesday? Wait, you're not familiar <laughs> with that term? Yeah. I thought you meant Black Friday. I didn't want to correct you, but maybe oh. there's something I don't know about. It's the Wednesday uh, before Thanksgiving where you're not doing shit, so you're out drinking and stuff. Oh. You haven't spent Black Wednesday at an Akbar once upon a time, Lyra? Come on. We, I mean, I have, but we don't call it Black Wednesday. White people love it? to call a lot of things black. <laughs> <laughs> it just means there's nothing to do, right? Like, it's dark. But what, what, did, um, what, did, what did you call it, Ira? Did you go there on Wednesday? I mean, oh, God. Just, I'm just bitter like, about Akbar. I want to hear all the memories. Oh, I mean, like, I've definitely been there before Thanksgiving um, or before other major holidays where we have, like, nothing to do. Um, and I remember at home... You know, like you would hang out with friends um, who are back from school or something. But no, I've never heard it called Black Wednesday, Lewis. Oh, well, I mean, what else Mm. would it be called? You know what I mean? Because you got Black Friday right afterwards. It just makes sense. (laughs) Mm, mm, Yes. (laughs) The power that that has, to quote (laughs) you and the rest of the internet. I love an education. (laughs) I truly do. (laughs) Well... um, this is going to be quite the Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. We are going to answer all of the questions that you sent in. Not all of them, well, but the all. interesting That's ones. Too much. The good ones. These episodes are already too long. So, <laughs> some of you should have tried harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. And also some of you should have read the things we put in our story instead of just messaging me your weird little questions. Like somebody <laughs> asked me, now that Ira has a house, do you and Lewis have any intentions of investing in anything and i was like what the what is happening first of all i am renting okay (laughs) well the people believe otherwise i still have student loans i'm not buying a house also by the way thank you for clearing that the train of thought that follows ira has moved into a property of some kind let's talk about lewis and aida's portfolio (laughs) floored i was so floored Tell people to stay out of women's business. Exactly. Let's get into the approved questions. Let's get into Uh, those. We will also be joined by the fantastic Kate Mara to talk about her new FX on Hulu show, A Teacher. Guys, I sat down to watch this, and I was like, all right, I'll watch a little bit. Before you knew it, four episodes flew by. It is quite engrossing. And also, gross. (laughs) (laughs) But also... A 30-minute drama. 
which I love. Love mm-hmm. it. Keep yes. it clean. Keep it mm-hmm. tight. There are many television dramas that I would probably get through more if I fired it up and saw that it was only 30 minutes. Yeah, right. As opposed to, like, The Good Wife is practically the Odyssey looking back. Yeah. Well, the, every episode of The Good Wife should be six hours, Lewis. Oh, okay. I messed up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about NCIS, okay? I'd watch 30-minute episodes of LL Cool J and his kangol hat. (laughs) (laughs) That could be an 11-minute episode. It's just him and Chris O'Donnell, like, pulling a kitty out of a tree, and then Linda Hunt says, good job. (laughs) Uh, All right. We'll be right back. asked we've got answers maybe yeah who's to say yeah at this point i don't even know if i have answers about my personal life so we'll see time for the mailbag you jive turkeys okay ira (laughs) (laughs) i love the phrase jive turkeys and i truly wish i could just bring it back it's so absurd who thought of it in the first place (laughs) the the idea of a turkey jiving it's exactly right Aaron wants to know what's the deal with Thanksgiving music? Is there a definitive Turkey Day album? What should we be playing at dinner? God, well, I mean, we talked about this before with the TV episodes, but it really is the moment in which Christmas music is actually most welcome. Because when you're Mm -hmm. listening to it on Christmas Day, it feels so on the nose and like, oh, well, enjoy this while it lasts. You have another 12 hours of this before you never want to hear it for another 360 days or whatever. So on Thanksgiving, it only feels right that you would listen to Christmas music, which is unfortunate. Again, I want the holiday to have self-esteem. I'm sorry it has to be this way, but... Turkey lurkey time? Oh, yeah, that? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, okay, unlike Christmas music, I think you're right, Louis, you could go that way. But the other way is I don't need my Thanksgiving music to actually be about the content of the holiday. Mm. Like, I don't want turkey anything, potato anything in the lyrics <laughs> of a song. I'm going to put on a Mac DeMarco. I'm going to put on a Carol King. I'm going to put on a tennis if I'm feeling white. Okay, <laughs> tennis. I'm always feeling white. I, I, Ira, we well aware. <laughs> tennis, first of all. And, but if I'm feeling black, I'm going to put on seat at the table. Yes, a lunch meant a metaphorical seat at the table, but I might also be happening to sit at a table eating with my black family, so I'm going to put on seat at the table while I eat my pumpkin pie. But that's it. Mm. I, there's no real Thanksgiving soundtrack music or music that should mention anything about what are you going to talk about the pilgrims what are you going to talk about (laughs) i am an early christmas music adopter um weirdly i haven't this year as much uh i do listen to when christmas comes by john legend and mariah carey on repeat Uh, i kind of maybe love that song more than all i want for christmas is you but um for me Cooking goes hand in hand with Thanksgiving, you know? Like, the tradition was always my family driving down to Elkhart, Indiana, Mm -hmm. um, being at my great-grandmother's house, um, and, you know, like, she's cooking all day, my grandmother's helping, my mom's helping, I'm helping in the kitchen, too. And for older black folks, like, cooking music is, like, Tony Braxton, you know? You're listening to, like, some Mary J. Blige, you know? Maybe some, like, Aaliyah for the younger folks, you know? So, like, Mm -hmm. for me, Thanksgiving music is just, like, black music. Yeah. You know, you just put on some, like, 90s um, R&B or maybe even, like, throw it back to, like, some um, 
Donny Hathaway, some like soul music, you know, like that is my Thanksgiving vibe. Mm-hmm. That's fun. You're very serious XM, the groove. Uh, some new Jack swing <laughs> yeah. at, uh, yeah. on your holiday. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Jammin', okay? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just, let's just ask Obama for a Thanksgiving playlist and he'll put home by Philip Phillips 20 times. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> uh, Ob- one of these days, Obama is going to call John Favreau and say, "Take care of those three. <laughs> I've, I've had it. Take care of those three. <laughs> not bad, not bad for you. I enjoyed that. Thank impression. you, thank you. <laughs> that was good. What a, we're, we're in a thankful time. Lewis congratulated one of my impersonations. Aww. Oh we're yeah, friends. no, S- That's something history. has come over we're all me. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Byron must know, why is Selena Gomez launching her Oscar campaign by playing a gay mountaineer when her energy would be much better spent working on getting a Grammy for Rare, her album? Byron. I, I mean, I... <laughs> Byron, what the fuck? Byron. <laughs> Byron, you know I love Selena, but let's not pretend that she needs a Grammy for anything. Also, who is going to let her into the Grammys if she don't got Taylor Swift with her? Who's going to let her in? <laughs> what? Also, that, that is kind of the problem with the Grammys in general is that if music is even slightly well-received... Then there's this obligation to nominate it. It's like the, the Grammys honored the top 40% of music. You just have to get into the C range in order for it to fly. That said, I do really like that album. I do think she is doing her sad murmur the entire time. And I do think mm-hmm. her singles on prior albums are better. But the production itself is good. But it sounds like you're saying she needs to campaign as if to say she needs to remind people or trick people into considering it award worthy as opposed to just, you know, a good album. As I've said before on this show, Selena Gomez needs to focus on acting because I think that she is actually a great actress. <laughs> yes. Uh, and she's a great comedic actress. And she's much better at that than singing. So let her play this game out near, Byron. Let her get up in these mountains. Let her get up in these Alps or wherever the person's climbing. I actually don't know who she's playing. I just saw a thing about her playing a mountaineer and like clicked through. Also, I want to add that last album that, okay, so what's missing? What's missing? Let's put it together. She had Kid Cudi producing this last project. John Bellion producing this last project. It's like the only thing that's stopping her from a Grammy now is her voice. So I don't know Mm. what she needs to do or say, but I, I think that, she needs to drastically step up her lyrical ability and maybe talent before she's even considered for a Grammy. She's never even been nominated for a Grammy, let alone given one. So, Speaking of Kid Cudi, <laughs> I know you remember it, Aida. Do you remember when Selena Gomez was getting high with Kid Cudi on Instagram Live? Oh, my God. And she's, she's stoned. She is stoned out of her mind, and he is stoned out of his mind, too. And she talks about, like, going live and this high nigga says to her, do you remember that woman who went on live when her husband was shot by the police? I hate Talking this about Philando moment. Castile. <laughs> and her face is like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> truly just him having a stoner conversation. And she's like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Oh my god! It was so embarrassing. It was literally one of the most embarrassing moments that I've seen. And also, they why they why do they hang out? What do they have in common? 
Ugh. Also, uh, that you just reminded me about her acting career, which I don't think about a lot. That I think she's the only person to even get a slight laugh out of me in that movie, A Rainy Day in New York, that Woody Allen movie that dropped on like JetBlue finally last year. Mm. <laughs> you know, she is quite mesmerizing in Monte Carlo. Oh, sure. Yeah, by Visconti. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll let her even have Spring Breakers. Like, as much as I didn't care for the movie, it did kind of alter the world of movie writing, unfortunately. So she could have that. That is like the definitive movie that feels like it should be amazing at the out, like, based on what you hear about it. And then you watch it, and like, I never, th- yeah. I never think about the content of the movie now. I love Spring Breakers, but I do think about Bling Ring more. Ooh. Actually, when I said what I said about it changing the landscape of movies, I meant the bling ring. Now that I think about it, Spring Breakers was all right. A24 just running amok. If I can put a final pin on Selena Gomez here. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always wondered, too, like how she is the most famous woman. Right. Truly. Like, so many fucking Instagram followers. Like, her photo uh, of like her um, after she'd had her um, transplant was like one of the most liked photos on Instagram ever. So, finally... I've given in, and I followed Selena Gomez on Instagram. And you know what? Um, I love the content. Oh, yeah? No, she's yeah. great. I mean, th- there's two things about her that I think really help her stand out. One, that that cute face <laughs> that we've been looking at since she was 12. She's and then also so Latin, mar- Latin market. Latin, mm. Like, she's so, you know, actually enticing to the whole world. I know a lot of people love her for that reason. And then she told 13 Reasons Why to be a hit, and it was. <laughs> She's like, go out there and be a hit. Oh, and she dated Bieber during the heyday. There's a lot yeah. of reasons. Selena's been around. And she, and she did like something blue in the hair for the Teen Vogue party. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Brant asks, would you rather have Thanksgiving dinner with the Roys from Succession or the Mackenzie Wright Klein Carlson families from... Big Little Lies. Ira, do don't th- answer. We know. Do you think Ira, I remember don't. the names of anyone in Big Little Lies? I call them Nicole, mm-hmm. Meryl, <laughs> Renata, Renata, yeah. I know, and Jane, <laughs> and Reese. Um, so the the Roys, obviously. Of course. At least I know they'll let me sit with them, for sure. Yeah. But you think that food's going to be better? Mm. Oh, because it'll be catered, though. It will be Good catered. Yeah, Either way, it will be, be catered, catered, but it's a selection of who, what they're going to get catered. I feel like Succession Family is going to give us like a really hearty meat and potatoes, maybe a Slavic thing going on. But I'm going to get something maybe French from the Big Little Lies peoples. And Southern Cuisine. Ooh, actually, nope, I rescind. I'm going, I'm going to the Merrill family on Big Little Lies. I take it back. Mm. Listen, you know I just want to be sitting next to sitting next to Kendall Roy, asking him if he wants more gravy. (laughs) He can have mine. But not bringing up that performance in the Chicago (laughs) 7. Woof. We're not going to do this now, Lewis. Let's fight about this every single podcast. Every single podcast. (laughs) That that Mad TV-ass performance. Okay, (laughs) They were giving you Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Okay. Oh, my God. I need to be giving you a lobotomy if you think that's what he was giving. Mm. Well, they would both. There would be two meals filled with, I believe, passive aggression, and I think the version I want most. I think Nicole Kidman does her best work sitting at a table looking bothered. So I at least mm. get that theater the entire time. So I am going to take Big Little Eyes on this one. Ashley wants to know. I'm asking Ashley's question because her name is spelled exactly like my sister's name. A-S-H-L-E-E. Like Ashley Simpson, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, which, which helps because our last name is Madison. Oh. So, 
It's not spelled like Ashley Madison. <laughs> oh, my God. She really lucked out. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley wants to know what Thanksgiving side do you say keep it to? And then also, what's our favorite side? Mm. I want to go first by saying I still get mad whenever white people claim <laughs> that macaroni and cheese is a Thanksgiving side. That is yeah. a main course. And not only that, they don't put it in the oven. That's how I know that there's like a fight to be had. Right. When they're like, oh, it's not a good side. Like macaroni and cheese doesn't belong at the Thanksgiving table. That's one of the last Mm-mm. tweets I saw before I left that hell site. <laughs> and um, I'm like, of course it doesn't belong at the dinner table if you are mixing craft on the stovetop. Right. I, I really even enjoy the dish that mac and cheese comes in. It just it's mm. like it just deep enough. It's it's pleasing to look at. I, I like the, mm-hmm. the the drizzle of whatever spices you put panko, on top of it. Mm-hmm. The panko coat, yes. Mm. Well, I have an obvious controversy that I'm just going to bring up to get out of the way. I don't know how the hell that gelatinous cranberry shit found a way into tradition as far as Thanksgiving is concerned. It's one of the most disgusting thing I've ever had. I don't. You like cranberry way- sauce? Ew, I don't like the way it holds the shape of the can. Don't hold the shape of the can. That's anti-black. I know. And I feel like we actually had this same conversation last (laughs) year about this exact thing, but I still hate it. Nothing has budged. And I don't understand how people pair it with their turkey. (gasps) Oh, my God. I'm dry heaving. Mm. I'm dry heaving. It really is shocking. It's a holdover from, like, the 50s and 60s, too. I was uh, acquainted with some stat that I think some point in the early 60s, the average American ate four boxes of Jell-O a year. What? So I was going to actually say, as a dessert, anything in addition to the cranberry sauce, anything Jell-O related. When I read about food from the 1950s, uh, Carol in particular, which uh, we talked about for a split second with Kate Mara, the temperature of it, the squishiness of it, the mm-hmm. bright Crayola colors of it. Every, it just is, it's a repulsive trick we played on ourselves for decades. We, we, we put Bill Cosby away. All Jell-O-related <laughs> products should also be put away. <laughs> you know, it makes sense that that is a holdover from like the 50s because every time I see an old like 50s, 60s cookbook, I'm always amazed at the like random foods that are paired together yeah like were they just ex- were housewives just experimenting yeah i guess people were bored they didn't know what they were doing right like the search for tomorrow wasn't interesting enough <laughs> <laughs> they inhaled so much bleach they were like yeah this will work <laughs> <laughs> i'm also this isn't wartime like we don't have to eat a dollar fifty of cranberry poop like it's so gross it really is gross i do prefer the canned cranberry sauce though to homemade Sorry. It's so good. Ira, you are like, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. We were on food stamps at one point in my childhood, so. Okay, well, don't bring the poverty up to me now (laughs) to fight for it, okay? (laughs) We was there, too, and I got taste as the age went on. You got money, Ira. You could do this. You You could stop eating that out of a can. You know what? The most Midwestern thing about me is that I think my favorite side is uh, corn. I mean, it reminds me of growing up, mm. but I think I like it just way more yeah. than the average person, period. I believe we call it maize, Lewis. Oh, all right. <laughs> Samoset or Squanto or whomever. Yeah. <laughs> that fake-ass oh story. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> How old were you all when you realized that, like, that story was made up. What if I said? What if I said twenty three? <laughs> um, <laughs> Just making up stories about Native Americans. 
<laughs> like ha- like happy ones yeah. and making us do like coloring books about them yeah they were like um, native american um uncle ben's right no i mean it, it literally is like that parody scene in airplane where julie haggerty goes to africa and she like brings tupperware containers for the tribal people like what did we think was occurring between these two people like they, they just met and were nice that was it no takeover at all uh someone asked how did lewis and i meet I don't recall. I don't know the first time. Ira was always somebody, like, you would, you'd go to Akbar, which I've already brought up, and he, we, we obviously have similar interests, so whatever. If there was a movie we all just saw, we'd end up talking about it. I do remember, I think, early on, confronting him about a double standard in which, because he used to tweet, you know, at Taylor Swift, like, who did you vote for, whatever. I was like, you don't put the same pressure on Beyonce. That was my woke take. Someone should have told me <laughs> to keep it right then. Um, <laughs> Um, now I'm putting the pressure on a white man. Right. Oh, that's still right. Charlie and, Puth. And, and his fans are putting the pressure on us to kill ourselves, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but ever since then, we were kind of like orbitally in the same friend groups. And then finally, when he got the podcast, I think I was like the first person to audition for the podcast, maybe with like Marcella Arguello or something. I forget who else it was. But um, uh, yeah, then, you know, we got roped into this nonsense. And now we're all under the tutelage and... Uh, dictatorship of John Lovett. And the rest is history. And the three of us have been hosting since 2018. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Whoa, three long years. Um, someone, multiple people have asked if we would ever run for office. No! <laughs> Ira? What are these questions? Uh, or Lewis. Uh, uh, if any of us oh, would run for office. Nobody wants that yet. My brain's not ready. <laughs> no, I would love to be a Jackie, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. That. I went through like eight Jackies. Well, yeah. A political husband. Well, I'm going to fi- find my way into AOC's heart so I can be second lady at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure that out. Um, if I ran for office, I mean, th- the speed at which my nudes would fly out into the world would be oh so shocking. I mean, Lewis, I would drop them. I would. <laughs> As a campaign <laughs> Just- poster, first of all. <laughs> I need a showing up and airdropping them to everyone at your yes. announcement rally. Yeah, please let me run your campaign. The PR, the PR would be insane. That's why Buttigieg didn't advance and get the nomination, Lewis. We needed the nudes. We wanted that booty, Judge, and we didn't get it. Right. I bet it's flat but firm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. he's been in the military, you know what I mean? <laughs> Here, you know what? Here's a here's a personal problem that someone asked. Okay, we can get, okay. we can get some advice because that's what we're here for is to help. We're freewheeling here advice. already, so yeah. why not? <laughs> Anonymous wants to know how do you deal with your boyfriend's brother's girlfriend who you can't stand? Excuse me. Okay, your what's 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 um, what? They are the only people of color, a significant others dating very white men. Well, that's the problem, girl. <laughs> Stay in your lane, racially. Anytime yeah. they hang out, she'll waste a ton of food. She's gluten-free, but always gets a ton of food with gluten, takes two bites, and then throws it away, <laughs> and then nudges the brother that it's time to go. She won't talk to anyone. She just sits there tapping her acrylic nails on her phone and always makes sure to pour herself a generous serving of the good wine, not the shitty shit she always brings. If we do a potluck, her dish <laughs> sits in front of her and double dips. So, like, what the fuck? No one wants that. And... The anonymous has a sixth sense that she's pregnant and they are going to announce it at Thanksgiving. My question is, what? why is your family gathering? <laughs> right. See, Stay uh, home. Stay home. That's that the answer. Stay That's the issue. home. It's COVID. I mean, that person does sound insufferable. I have one friend in general 
who who years and years ago I think had an in law that was that was like constant like they dreaded it they dreaded it and she, what she did I think this person was like a, a monologue or two like always took up like talking and talking and talking all the time she said she would just stop listening and walk out of the room when she did that. But like, if you do it without flinching, it doesn't seem rude. You just like had somewhere to go. Just do it and pretend like there was nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. Exactly. And also there's like something to be said about just like learning how to ignore people too. I have an aunt whose name I haven't even decided to learn because I hate her so much. (laughs) Like you can just go to this dinner and pretend she doesn't exist. Like create a world for yourself where this woman is not there. It doesn't matter. You don't have to eat her dish. Don't look at her throwing that food away and wasting her food. Like just try and focus on your boyfriend and your boyfriend's brother and the rest of the family and just ignore her. Also, if she's pregnant, maybe she's more has morning sickness. Like, is this a long-term thing? I do have some questions. Like, I am worried about it too. Maybe she's not a bitch. Maybe she's in her first trimester. <laughs> so arguably your most sympathetic read to date. I know, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know this woman now. We have one last question. From Izzy. Oh, Katie Heigl? Yes. Straight from Seattle, Grace. That's what I thought, mm-hmm. too. Um, <laughs> Hi. What is your favorite thing about each of your co-hosts? Oh, okay, bye. It's question. been a great show. Bye. <laughs> 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 Do you it's know how many messages? I, I get so many messages that are like, you don't like Lewis. I'm like, what? I worship that man. What are you talking about? But, but I feel like it's one of those because I am constantly haranguing and I love to do that, that people don't understand there is genuine love here. Um, oh my Lewis God. is a genius who rattles off facts at a rate that is not even processable to the human brain, first of all. He's like a hummingbird of a human. So there's that. And then Ira is hilarious. I mean, we're both very, very funny. Ira is hilarious. And I feel so fortunate to get to talk and be around you guys and spend a lot of my like formative young adult years having conversations with you guys because, first of all, I don't get that with people my age, one. And two, I'm learning so much. So I get to be around dope human beings every Tuesday. And I just feel fortunate. I feel fortunate. And lock this feeling into your brain because it will never come back ever again. (laughs) (laughs) I've stored it. I'm now reliving it constantly. Also, one more thing I want to add about Ira is that we both have the very particular experience of being black people in the Midwest. So we share a lot of the same interests and I think gripes about things. And that's also rare to find. So, yes, I feel at home here. I keep it. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Well, all right. I'll go second. Um, Okay, Aida first. Well, um, here's a little behind the scenes glimpse. Aida and I always, shall we say, sign on first when it's time to do the uh, (laughs) podcast. And uh, we always like chat a little bit beforehand. I mean, Aida fills me with so much fucking endorphins. The humor is so, one, always unexpected, two, occasionally snarky, but mostly just like full of fun. It's It's just a blast to talk to Aida. Her tweets, I mean shocking and hilarious every time. I'm truly in awe of the, I'll call it a gift, but we all know it's a sickness, what is flowing through you. Um, I'd say I miss them, but people send them to me regularly. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd say that about uh, Aida. And as for Ira, I have to say, 
I mean, I always bring this up when it comes to Ira, but just the level of knowledge is second to none. I, I really, he's in my top tier of people who just like, no shit, period, aren't faking it. Mm-hmm. Also, if you tell Ira to watch a movie, he watches it fucking immediately. He does not procrastinate on it. So I love the um, voraciousness with which he consumes pop culture. Um, and also, he's just my actual friend. So I see him every fucking weekend. <laughs> well, I would say... Lewis is actually a lot more sweetly sensitive than people would think. You know, oh, I think that's uh, probably true. Yeah, you know, uh, you you have your um, robotic exterior and you know all these facts, <laughs> but um, at his core, you know, Lewis just wants a hug. See, Aww. and I love him. He's great. <laughs> Thank you. And Aida, I love seeing you just like thriving. You know, like you're a young black woman who's come to Hollywood. Um, and you said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And you're so funny. And you honestly, like, for as hilarious and, like, raunchy and wild and, like, deranged as your humor will be, uh, you're also just very empathetic and caring. And I noticed that in how you check in on people in your life and how you check in on, like, our guests. Yeah. You know? I still remember the time that you asked, like, Ronan Farrell, like, how he was doing. You know, in the midst of, like, all the reporting. Um, or even, like, asking Adam Brody, like, about being a dad. You know? Like, you you, you just care, and it exudes from you. Oh, my God. Are we in love? Are we in love? <laughs> <laughs> Is this love? This thruple. Oh, no. You know, every time we take the show in this direction, people are like, y'all are too nice. Oh, oh right. Yeah, that's and, yet, and yet, there's always someone who says... I've been a keep it listener since day one. And this thing you said this episode, 155 episodes in, is the last straw. You were too mean. <laughs> People want us to be like acrid. Like there should be some bitterness there, but it can't run into meanness. I'm sorry, guys. I'm full of extremes. I contain multitudes. Yeah, so that's true. I'm so sorry. We're a lot nicer than we were in 2018. Oh, God. I wonder why the fuck that is. <laughs> Uh, All right, when we're back, Kate Mara joins us. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now... Is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. 
I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Our guest today has worked with everyone from Ryan Murphy to David Fincher and is currently the star of FX on Hulu's A Teacher. Please welcome Kate Mara, who is loving Simon a little too much. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Oh, good one. I can't believe I haven't heard that joke yet. That's actually, Ooh, it's a pretty obvious joke, but I haven't heard it yet. So there you go. That's what we specialize that in here. Yeah. <laughs> Great diggers. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I mean, we're very uh, big fans of yours. And I have to say on this show, um, you're really fantastic. You know, it is the show um, about obviously a, predatory relationship between a teacher and a student um the student is played by nick robinson and you are playing so many levels of a woman who you know we should hate immediately uh and i kind of do but i also (laughs) love her as well um and i just want to know did you see the original film before you um signed on to do this project and what was the impetus behind joining yeah, I I had seen um, Hannah's movie, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but I had seen it. And so when she came to me, uh, Hannah Fidel, the creator of the show, came to me along with um, our producing partner, Michael Costigan, who I happened to work with years ago as well on Brokeback Mountain. So I knew, I knew them both. I knew their work. Um, and they approached me asking if I was interested in, you know, making the movie into a TV series and also if I would want to come on as a producer. So I didn't really have to think very hard about it because I had already seen the film and I knew the subject matter and I knew what kind of work they both create. So I was on board right away. There were no scripts or anything. It was really early in the process. So that to me was really exciting because... I had produced a film before, but I'd never produced a series. And, um, you know, to be creatively involved from the very beginning before there's even a network involved was very exciting to me. So, um, you know, I jumped aboard and, and, you know, it took us a few years to um, find our home at FX, FX on Hulu, (laughs) and to get the scripts written and then to get the green light as well, you know, to start shooting it takes a lot more time than I think I, I realized. In watching this performance, something that strikes me is I don't feel like I ever see a moment where you watch her kind of turn to the dark side. Like she's somebody who seems incredibly normal and rational when we begin. And there's never a moment when we feel like she is unhinged. And I just wanted to ask about your performance as this character. Like what purposeful decisions did you make playing this person who has so many traits and decisions that are, you know, repulsive? Well, I think that, like you said, because she does so many things that obviously are 
morally wrong and also illegal. You, we, you, we couldn't just have her be this villain, right? We had to find, we had to, or personally, I knew that I had to attempt to play her as a real person who people can relate to before she makes this, you know, horrific uh, choice. So, um, you know, we, I think it was important to us that we show the character of Claire as as human and show all of the the sides to her that people can relate to for example you know just normal life she's not necessarily satisfied in her marriage maybe feels lost and you know eventually you learn about her backstory again can be relatable to other people so we just wanted to make sure that we found ways to sort of bring the audience in rather than just everyone sitting at home going like what is wrong with this woman you know um, I think that that's sort of the only way you can play her um, if you don't want her just to be this villain. Yeah, I feel it's interesting to me, like the way the show has been received between men and women and how different that has you know, come <laughs> across. It's addictive either way to, to everyone. But I was going to ask you, you know, while figuring out the character's backstory and what parts of it, not necessarily justify her actions, but kind of explain away some of the behavior. Did you have any hesitations about playing this character? Um, I really didn't. I personally love characters who are complicated and who <laughs> audiences tend to have a lot to say about, you know, like I'm more interested in playing people that maybe not everybody likes so much. Um, that doesn't bother me. I was more interested in the fact that we were exposing this sort of gray area of consent. And I, I was fascinated by sort of what the abuser will tell themselves to justify their behavior. And that is, that is Claire's sort of journey constantly is like her denial and all of the excuses she tells her friends and, and family and herself really as to why she made this choice. Mm -hmm. One thing I've wondered about while watching it too was um, the music choices are uh, <laughs> hilarious. Oh and, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Was, was that something that um, Hannah was just talking about early on? Um, is yeah. it sort of supposed to place us in a different time than the present? Um, because I know what I hear, you know, like, um, well, Usher, late 2000 songs, like Usher climax. And then, uh, that, you know, I mean, that song that, that makes me laugh every time I, <laughs> She knew that that was going to be the song for that episode, you know, the school dance episode. I laughed the most monumental. at Bieber, at Bieber after oh, your yeah, first kiss. I, I, I did too. I was so excited that she, um, that she picked that song. I thought it was very funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very specific. It's supposed to take you back to a certain time because that's when the show takes place at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, obviously we move forward in time. So... Yeah, that was Han that was all Hannah. She she had all of these ideas about these songs from the very beginning. As we were shooting, she would like play them and you know, you don't always know if you're going to get the rights to certain things. So, uh -huh. um it was fun because I got to see so many different versions of each episode as a producer. I it was fun to see which songs stuck and which ones we lost, but I think the ones that she chose were very very wise. <laughs> Are there any subtle like um, indications of the quote unquote time period it takes place in that we may have missed besides the music? Like that's such an interesting assignment to figure out like, oh, is there like a marquee nearby that says the movie Gravity is playing or whatever? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's a good question. Um, 
I don't like, are there any Easter, are there any eggs? Um, I don't Mm -hmm. think so. I'm trying to think about like the social media aspect of it, Mm -hmm. you know, because we do use that a lot, but I guess it's the same. It was the same then as as it is now, you know, super prevalent then and super prevalent now. But like even the clothes, it's very subtle, but like the costumes we, we were thinking of, okay, this is not 2020. This is um, however many years ago. So like even that, we had to keep in mind, you know, the type of jeans you're wearing, all those, all those things. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's much more subtle than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we even continue to keep talking about the show, I've been dying to ask this question. I should have asked before we started talking about the show. But anyone who follows you on Instagram knows that you post so many photos of chimpanzees and are very involved, <laughs> are very involved in chimpanzee rescue. I sound like a and crazy I, person. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love chimpanzees so much and I love animals and I, you know, while following you have seen that you love animals too and talk about animal advocacy so openly like when did you get involved with this and has this been a lifelong thing chimps been your lifelong passion can you speak to that a little bit <laughs> um i yeah i mean i've i grew up in a very uh animal friendly home my mom was constant we, we always had animals around um and my mom has a bunch of therapy dogs that she trains to take to like nursing homes and things like that. So it's always been a part of my life. But um, I, actually, the the film, the documentary um, Blackfish, if you guys saw that mm-hmm. about SeaWorld, um, that really changed my life, I would say, in terms of animal advocacy and opening my eyes. I have I, been a vegan uh, for a very long time for health reasons and also for animal rights reasons. Um, but after seeing that movie, I really, I knew I wanted to be um, involved in some way and helping, you know, with with getting the word out and, and educating people because I wasn't educated. I went to SeaWorld as a kid. Um, if you don't know, then you can't make the choices, you know, that are necessarily right. Um, so, I started getting involved in animal advocacy when I saw Blackfish and my sister Rooney and I have always, you know, as kids, we were very obsessed with chimps um, (laughs) just in general. Like, I think a lot of people, we were like, oh, we really want to, you know, can't we get a pet chimp? You know, they're so cute. They're like little babies. And, And then a few years ago, I was asked through one of my best friends who at the time worked for the Humane Society if I wanted to go with her to Liberia and um, visit a sanctuary there, a chimp sanctuary, and sort of help get the word out about a very specific cause. And so I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what does that mean? Does that mean we get to go near the chimps? What, um, <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know all of the horrific facts about you know, the bushmeat trade and how okay. chimps are still used as pets in a lot of places, even though it's illegal um, and very dangerous. So my sister, then I called my sister and said, like, I've got this opportunity. Do you want to go to Liberia with me? And, and that sort of began the journey of um, a very, very big passion of both of ours. And now, now the, the sanctuary has become something else. It's, um, if you follow my Instagram, I'm constantly posting about the Liberia Chimpanzee Rescue and Protection Program. Um, you know, they, they need a lot of help. And so my sister and I are, are trying to give it to them. Oh, I love that. Um, speaking of Rooney, what's interesting is, um, have you two discussed wanting to work together or is that something that you think that you don't want to do so you can do your own projects? I know the only movie 
that you two have been in together because I'm not <laughs> the only person here who's seen it. <laughs> the third Urban Legend movie. Oh, wow. uh, she plays yeah. someone in the classroom. Um, which you're in. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably not our best work. But, <laughs> that doesn't uh, rank above yeah. Carol to you? No? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, definitely, I would love to work with my sister. In the past, we've been sent, a, you know, not very many. We haven't been sent that many scripts to consider, but we have been sent a few things that we definitely thought about. Um, but because it sort of feels like a, a big decision and like sort of like if we're going to do it, we want to do it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the right material and the right director, um, I feel like it's going to take longer than just, you know, choosing to do a movie to do a movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would love it. And um, I think that when that happens, that will be a very special occasion for us for sure. I just have to wonder about two sisters who are actresses um, who care about the craft so much too. Like are your conversations about acting and the craft like do you enjoy talking about it um with one another no we're so not we don't really <laughs> we, we're, we, it's like with i don't think we've ever ha- said the word craft in front of each other um we you know we, we both have we both have babies now and mm-hmm. even before the babies like we talk about movies and shows for sure because we both watch a lot of mm-hmm television and films like we both love it um it's in our family our brothers are the same way um so we definitely talk about what shows we're watching and all of that and who we think is amazing and um but our conversations are mostly about you know our kids animal rights stuff that we're working on together and you know family drama <laughs> I th- what's interesting about you two is it's kind of a Joan Fontaine Olivia de Havilland situation in that there's a slight physical resemblance but I wouldn't say you guys really remind me of each other and so uh, when you watch a movie with her and she watches the movie with you are you guys like constantly surprising each other like do you watching each other in different movies do you f- discover more reasons you are different Um, I would say the opposite because we grew up so everyone was always like, oh, you guys are so different. You don't look alike. Um, All of those things. And so when I I watch her, the the thing that I find the most sort of like shocking is uh, our voices, I think, are very similar. Um, I, when I was doing House of Cards, we had this, I think the same sound engineer who was on Dragon Tattoo. Mm -hmm. And the very first day he came up to me and was like, Oh my god! I, I I forgot it was you. I thought it was your sister. Like, oh wow! And I that was the first time somebody said it to me. But I've always felt that when I watch her, I think our voices are very similar. Um, and we have like cer- we have certain mannerisms that are similar. Like a friend of hers once, um, who I had never met, saw me in the airport and I was eating something, and her friend texted my sister and was like. You guys eat the same. You guys eat the same. You don't look the same, but you have the same. You do the same thing, which I just I haven't noticed that one yet. But um, you know, I think it's weird similarities that only family have. <laughs> so, I mean, we've seen you in a lot of things. Like most recently, you know, Pose and a teacher, of course, Fantastic Four, Brokeback Mountain. Like, been watching you for most of my watching career. But uh, is there a role that you think stands out the most that you you feel like maybe relates the most to you, but also was the most entertaining for you to get to play? 
you know, like different ones for different reasons. I House of Cards to me was my was a was such an incredible um, experience. I thought I loved the role so much. Zoe Barnes is a great character. She was really well written. I also just loved, um, you know, working with David Fincher and everyone he surrounds you with. Um, mm-hmm. It was a really special experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, do I, I don't relate to her at all. <laughs> so, um, you know, I did a movie called Megan Levy, which was like very, which is a true story. And it was very special to me and a real challenge because I had to really learn a lot for it and train and train with an animal. Um, I was playing a Marine and that was a very special movie emotionally for me. So um, you know, those two sort of stand out for me, but, you know, I'm here talking about a teacher and I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that this role, um, and experience has been one of, I think my greatest, um, experiences for sure. And most challenging roles. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking back to a teacher, um, what's also interesting to me is, uh, this is a show that's filmed in a sort of, um, post me to Hollywood era in the sense that I've noticed that the um, sex scenes between you and Nick um, seem so much more coordinated. Um, like there was an intimacy coordinator on set or something. Um, it's different than, and maybe there wasn't, but they seem very different. Maybe Hannah was mm. just better at directing them than you would see um, sex scenes prior. You know, I remember reading. Oh, that's nice you know, to hear. Yeah. You read so much about, um, actresses talking about how they don't feel comfortable filming them on set. Even Nicole Kidman said this Mm. during Big Little Lies. Um, And I recall we had um, from Masters of Sex on the show. Oh, um, Lizzie Kaplan, yeah. Lizzie Kaplan talking about how um, interesting it was filming that pre that era. So I wonder if you could just talk a bit about filming those scenes and, you know, making one another comfortable on set. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more care and discussion now than there was before. Absolutely. Um, I've never had to do quite so many intimate scenes than I, than I have to do in a teacher. Um, but you know, I, I've never had, um, like my experiences before were fine, you know, but like with this specifically, Hannah Fidel was very, very, um, sensitive and careful and like you said, it, yes, it 100% was discussed and I guess you could say choreographed. I mean, I guess that's what, you're, that's what you do when you talk about a sex scene. Um, we had an intimacy coordinator f- before we started shooting sort of come and talk to us um, about the scenes that we were going to be doing. And we kind of did, it was almost like a work session with, with her. Um, Myself, it was me and uh, Nick Robinson and then Ashley Zuckerman, who plays my husband. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually, the three the three of us decided together that we were more comfortable. Um, usually an intimacy coordinator goes to set every time you have mm-hmm. any sort of intimate scene at all. And we felt like it almost made it more awkward and more like nerve wracking to have someone else there. I think probably because we really um, trusted each other and Hannah, our, our director, we, we just felt very in sync. And, um, and so we, we decided to just have our little group 
be in charge of what we had to do. And if anyone ever felt uncomfortable, we knew that we could go to someone. But like, I, I never felt that way. I always felt so clear about what we were doing and why we were doing it. It, you know, to talk about it was like, it became so easy to talk about any intimate scene. It was like almost comical. Um, so, but I do think that that is a testament to, you know, who's in charge, you know, and like what the tone is of the set and how safe and protected you feel. I just thought about your, your husband in the show, his rock and roll yeah. ambitions. God, they make me mad. God, I hate them. Oh God. I'm, I'm like, run away, Kate Mara. Um, I still hate him from succession. So I was, right. already, okay. I was already so on your side. I, I loved him on Succession, which is why me and Hannah both loved him so much on Succession. And we were like, that is our guy. We love him so much. Uh, and, you know, he and I read together and I was like, oh, well, there's you're it. So um, I love I think he's such a good actor. Yeah, he's, he's also great. Australian, which is mind blowing. His American. I didn't know that for the first few days of working together. I thought he was American. <laughs> Do you often feel that Australians are taking over this industry? They are everywhere. They play everybody. Yeah. Sarah Snook, what is that about? Just oh, everybody can so do good. it. Yeah. She's so good. I love her. <laughs> I want to bring up uh, Brokeback Mountain, which you uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, first of all, it's a movie that has... I don't want to say cameos, but small roles for like actors you forget are in it, like Linda Cardellini and Anna Faris mm -hmm. and Randy Randy Quaid is in it. Um, yeah, was that a like uh, it was relatively early in your career? Was that a formative experience? Because it's it, there's not a scene in that movie that's not intense. So yeah, ev every moment <laughs> in that movie is so huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean that movie changed my. It definitely changed my career. I, I was I had been working since I was fourteen, but I was. It, that was my first movie I did as like as an adult. Like I was 19 when I when I got Brokeback Mountain, um, and it was such a sm like I was only in Calgary. We were shooting in Calgary. I was there probably for two weeks or something. It was a very short job, but uh, you know because of that when that because of that movie I got a, a bunch of other movies after that came out, and that sort of like I think got like the ball rolling a bit, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a very, very special experience. And it was so long ago, it feels like another life now. Like, I think about it, and I'm like, it really does feel like a, a lifetime ago. But um, it was a very special experience. Ang Lee is such a sweetheart. And um, I, I really, I just love him so much. He was very intimidating to work with as a as a 19-year-old who hadn't done that many things. Um but but everyone sort of felt that way on set. You know, everyone was a little bit like, oh, God, does he like me? He hired me, but does he like me? I don't know. Um, uh, but, yeah, that was a very special, um, special movie to be a part of. Um, one last thing I sort of want to ask is um, it's like Thanksgiving season now. And, <laughs> um, I mean, whatever that means this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I'm from Wisconsin, and um, – for me, like Thanksgiving, where my family always involved watching like Packers games, and your family has um, the Giants and the Steelers, and I just want to know, like, what was your like Thanksgiving traditions like with your family, and like, is it such a big thing in your household because of football? Mm. Yeah, it is. We, uh, you know, my my dad. So my dad's side of my family is the New York Giants side, 
And my mm-hmm. mom's is the Pittsburgh Steelers side. And my my dad is one of 11 kids. So, oh, wow. which is just absurd. <laughs> so, <laughs> My close friend in high school had 12 brothers and sisters. Oh, so I whoa, <laughs> I've never heard anyone else who had more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my grandparents had a football team, literally. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we... <laughs> we grew up going to my first we would go to my dad's family's house and it was just like a massive amount of people and food and there was always football on in like every room you know we would watch whoever was playing um and then after that we would go to my mom's side of my family which again is huge and again there was football on so to me you know like I'm in I'm in New Mexico right now with my husband while he works and our Thanksgiving is just going to be me and him and our daughter. But I was like, what are we, I was like thinking to myself, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be watching the Steelers. We're going to be watching football all day. And, <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. So yeah, Thanksgiving to me really is about being thankful for family and, um, and watching football. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we need that story, by the way. Like, like your your mom and dad oh, both right. coming together. <laughs> like, that's a romantic drama in the making. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> they my so my mom's grandfather founded the Pittsburgh Steelers, and my dad's grandfather founded the New York Giants, and they were friends. And so my parents grew up knowing of each other's families their parents were friends and they would see each other at at the nfl like owners meetings a lot but the way they really uh got together was because they both ended up at boston college so um they fell in love at 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 boston college so anyway my parents got married it's a very unique situation because now there's two football teams in one family so you know me and my siblings technically are supposed to love two football teams equally, um, <laughs> which is, which is odd. But the good thing is they really don't, they don't play each other all that often, you know? Wait, actual last question though. Does your husband's mm-hmm. lack of an Oscar nomination for Billy Elliot bother you as much as it bothers me? I mean, it's one of the definitive kid performances ever, as far as I'm concerned. It, it doesn't even matter that he was a kid. He's so good in it that yes, his la- but it, also his lack of an Oscar nomination period bothers me okay good um, <laughs> yeah glad to hear it yeah yeah i'm wearing an elton john shirt did you see him in the elton john movie he was yes oh yes, yes i did he was fantastic in that yeah film. he's really I, good yeah i saw it at the um the first time i saw it was at the um hollywood ball um oh that's like, that must have been a really cool experience yeah i think he and like taryn um might have come out for it and then elton was there too um it was sort mm-hmm. of like during um, award season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was backstage there. We didn't watch it because we had our kids with us. But yeah, mm-hmm. we were there, sort of like. Actually, I have a very funny story about when about my stepson. We he loves Elton John, loves his music. He's seven, but he loves his music. And so my husband introduced him to Elton, and he looked at him. And Elton obviously was dressed as he dresses. He had tons of like jewels and things on. And, our, and my stepson just looked at him and was like, I love your jewelry. And uh, it, was, it was the greatest compliment I think Elton could have gotten. <laughs> he was so happy about it. <laughs> uh, hell yes to that seven-year-old. All right. I know. How can we nurture that environment a little more? All right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Thanks for uh, having me, you guys. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It was so nice to, to talk to all of you guys. I love your podcast. 
Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is keep it enough of enough of that nice shit. Yeah, boo boo. <laughs> <laughs> Aida, why don't you go first? Okay, my keep it is I, I have anger in my in my soul about it, but I also have empathy. I have understanding, but it's the anger is going to take precedence as usual. <laughs> okay, so a lot of you including myself, have spent since March posting every single day about how we should wash our hands and wear our masks and stay away from people and get away from social gatherings. Some of you have been posting stories with really tight crops, so nobody knows that you're with a bunch of fucking people. A lot of things have been going on, uh, both sides of that coin. However, the same people who have been the most vocal and the most overzealous online about us staying home are the same ones who are buying tickets to go home for Thanksgiving right fucking now. I'm so irritated about it because we are about to enter an even more robust lockdown, an even longer lockdown. Like we are on the fringe of that. And first of all, what's going to happen is you might get stuck with your mom for the six months. Is that what you want? Think about that. Take that into consideration before you go buy a plane ticket to go cough on your grandma. Okay, stay home. You don't need to do that. I promise you, deep down to your core, you can go one year without seeing your family this year. We've all had to give up so many things, so many different sacrifices. Like, just stay home. Do a little Friendsgiving with two or three people that you've already been quarantining with or that you've already seen. Go get tested. Like, we need to be more responsible. I'm so tired, guys. <laughs> I'm so tired. And I want this, this pandemic to be as close to over as it can get. And like I said last week, I want the Grammys to be attended in person. So please make this happen for me. My grandmother survived cancer this year. I am certainly not going home to Milwaukee to <sighs> kill her. <laughs> can you imagine? You are. Ira's, Ira's the fifth stage of cancer. <laughs> you have to be careful. Surprise, bitch. I bet you thought you seen the last of me. No. <sighs> no, I mean, uh, again, I, I personally think there are always ways to do holidays by yourself well. I mean, in the same way that, like, I've always been a fan of going to movies by myself or going to restaurants by yourself. Like, there are ways to, like, give yourself a treat or do something that makes it festive or special or different. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good time to think creatively about that. Oh, that was sweet. Mm -hmm. I definitely think it was living in New York that like taught me to like start doing things by myself. It's such a huge city and moving there without really knowing that many people, it introduced me to like the dinner by myself, you know, the movie by myself. And then as a person who in before times likes to travel, like before if you travel by yourself, you're just like, you're going to dinners and shit by yourself all the time. But then you think about 
so many people travel by themselves and then like visit the U.S. by themselves and they're out doing things by themselves, you will be fine. Yeah. yeah. Right. I Go promise. The, pe- the people around you are not like looking at you, judging you for being alone. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Who has ever done that? I find that so strange. That, that, that if, perception <laughs> that people are looking at us and thinking, they've really fucked it up this time. Coming to see the new whatever. <laughs> Kate Mara movie by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, if you are looking your best and you're alone, you might be more approachable. That's true. If right. I, I see someone eating by themselves, I'm like, oh, that's a business person with goals. <laughs> and they, need, <laughs> they need time to go inward and be alone. <laughs> so, yes. A phrase I don't love that is applicable here, eating alone, going out alone has BDE. BDE, mm. BDE, BDE. Big dick energy. Oh, wow. Does that predate oh, you? Yeah. No, it mm. does not. But I had forgotten. I think, I, once again, I had the, I repress things. There are things I repress, mm. especially Pete Davidson related things. Mm. <laughs> Probably are. I sound mm. like Ariana at this point. Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> what is your keep it this week? My keep it is to Secret Santa gift exchanges as opposed to white elephants that I'm fine with, <laughs> where it's just, let's say, for example, there are eight people and you each buy one gift for one other person. Do you know what's more efficient? You all sit in a circle and present a gift you bought for your fucking self that you actually want. Ooh. Truly sit across from your relatives, be like, you know what I fucking got myself? And then you, you open up the bag from Hugo Boss and it's a magenta polo shirt. Because you know what? I bought a magenta polo shirt from Hugo Boss and I am having the best holiday. I look amazing in it. And even though my skin is pink tinged. Now, in this scenario... <laughs> I love this. In this scenario, do you buy it yourself with your own money or does the gift exchange mean the person just gives you money and you buy it yourself? I think both... Both are perfectly acceptable and fun. Like, here, here's the $50. Well, I guess if you're all just spending $50, you don't have to give the money to each other. So, no, True. it's just your own money, and you present it to the group, and you say, I deserve this. And maybe you give reasons why you deserve it. It's a, it's a bragging moment. And then you put the shirt on, and everyone's impressed, and it fits so great, and you know your body so well, and we're thrilled, and it's a holiday. Lewis said, for, forget <laughs> Secret Santa Let's do show and tell. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what this is. Why does that remind me that I bought myself a bracelet last week and uh, a friend was like, it's fine. You've worked hard this year. You deserve it. And I said, I actually don't, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you are wrong, but yeah. Thank you. I watched Ty Dolla Sign's Tiny Desk where he's wearing a sweater that I fell absolutely in love with and I spent two hours trying to find it on the internet. I don't know why I thought I'd be able to afford anything that man was wearing, but it was a $500 sweater. So, Crooked. From where? If you're listening, I think it was R13, but it was on Sex Fifth Avenue's mm. website. Sex Fifth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Ira, what the fuck are you keeping? My keep it this week <laughs> is to everyone who wants to rush out the door and be the first person to take a COVID vaccine. What the Mm -mm. fuck are you doing? (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? All these Pfizer versus Moderna memes and talking about like, Mm -mm. ooh, once we get the vaccine, we're going to be in these streets. Bitch, no the fuck you will not be. (laughs) And does no one remember the Tuskegee experiments? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As a black person in America, I am not getting in line anywhere to take any vaccine before I see some white people take it and, and, and see how it's going, you know? A year you know later. How long, you know how long I waited to get LASIK? A long-ass time. 
<laughs> you were mistrustful of LASIK? I didn't know that about you. Well, it's like early on in like high school when I wanted LASIK, it was still, you know, like janky and very um, Final Destination. Sure. Oh, if okay. If you recall Got that it. scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it was like a 30-second procedure that I got last year, if you recall, and it was easy. It was breezy. I feel beautiful like a cover girl. <laughs> I love the idea that it was somehow primitive before, like they did it with a printing press. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Use the cotton gin. They used the, tool, they used the tools for the game Operation. <laughs> <laughs> a little water on the knee in your eye. Yeah. Rusty uh, scalpel. <laughs> I just, first of all, getting into the specifics of a vaccine too, is it going to be free? Are we going to be paying for it? Like, and if it's associated with your health care, then that means the people who aren't really even at risk for dying from COVID aren't going to get it anyway. Yeah. So then it's just going to be a class war over vaccines. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I've said on this podcast before, everybody knows I am the only black woman in QAnon. So I do have a lot of conspiracy theories. <laughs> And I'm telling don't you guys think, right now. Don't think I forgot that other time when you were talking about um, the Joe Rogan podcast in a positive light. <laughs> guys, you have to see what the other side is talking about. I'm very intrigued. And in my in my attempts to learn, I, I was brainwashed a little bit. I'm fighting it, though. I really am. But no, I'm not getting that vaccine. I don't care if I got to stay in the house until 2050, bro. I'm not putting anything in my body yet. Yet. No. I want there to be a poetic movie a la The Last Black Man in San Francisco about <laughs> the first black woman in QAnon. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to get Casey Lemons to direct it. She'll, she'll be right. down, I'm sure. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, which is, by the way, not to say that I am anti vaccine. I love a vaccine. I love my flu shots. Oh, please. I get. Shots all the time for my uh, a cortisone for my lower back problems. I love a shot. Okay, what are you doing it, right be now, it, Ira? Be it from a syringe or alcohol. I love uh-huh. a shot. Okay, I uh-huh. love the shots that are in Fifty Cent. Okay, but I will not be taking a vaccine. What am I doing, Aida? I'm just letting people know that I am not anti-vax because I don't need people up in my DMs calling no, me No, for sure, for sure. We are not. No, get your varicella, get your measles, yes. everything. But this, I just this think need to wait. I just think I would like a coterie of white folks who take it first mm-hmm. to, to, you know, see, see the side effects. I'll wait a few months. I got nowhere to go. Give it to Mitch McConnell. Give him anything. <laughs> help How about him, help that? that man out. How about that, bitch? <laughs> How about the Trumps don't go to prison if they take the vaccine first? And then yeah, they when don't they have survive, to do taxes. you still lock them up. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Judge Joe Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a Mathis myself. And I'm just a criminal. So <laughs> I'm Judge Reinhold. Mm, okay. Where's vaccine court? How about that? Mm-hmm. Two people battle it out, and we decide who's going to be injected with the vaccine. Funded, <laughs> funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Vaccine Court. But shout out to Dolly Parton for funding Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a COVID vaccine. What what can this bitch not do? An angel investor. Okay, but those memes actually do annoy me a little bit. Like, guys, she wasn't in the lab. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> She wasn't there with a ladle, like tasting the vaccine, being like, almost there. You know. You wasn't with Dolly shooting in the gym. You don't know if she was she was she was cooking up. <laughs> if she was Walter Whiten. 
I mean, under the wig, we don't know what it is. It could be a bald, clean head. Who knows? Mm-hmm, Who knows? Mm-hmm. She might be next, Walter White. <laughs> we will truly on Netflix next year see um, a country star um, chemist um, TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, At this em- Emily in the lab. Oh, God. <laughs> We don't need any offshoots of that. <laughs> Emily needs to be confined to Paris, jailed. Well, I think she, I think she is. Bastille. Put her in Bastille. Paris in the Bastille. <laughs> uh, well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you to Kate Mara for joining us. And that's our episode. We'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Our executive producer is Ira Madison III. I think I've heard of him. Our editor is Bill Lance and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Narmel Konian, and Milo Kim for production support every week. Stay safe. Be blessed. God loves you. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 